Now, get you a book. Don't wait on the chorus. Everyone standing. When we all get to heaven, we're going to get cranked up right off the bat. Wake you up. Get ready to sing. 467. On the first now. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. now while we walk the pilgrim pathway clouds will overspread the sky but when traveling days are over not a shadow not a sign when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be Let's turn around and let's fellowship one with another like we got victory.
together now. Onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will be old. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen. Let's remain stand for a word of prayer. My quest, if you would, lead us in prayer, please. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Look across the page, 468, 468, right across the page. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling. Now we shall sing on that beautiful shore the melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more. Not a sigh for the blessing of rest in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet. Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love and the blessings that hallow our days. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on the beautiful shore. In the sweet In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. I praise the Lord for that sweet by and by. Amen. But we want our ushers to come take an offering in the nasty now and now. So let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. Everything you give on Wednesday night now, I remind you every week, goes to support a Bible conference. And maybe you're new and don't understand why we work so hard so long in advance for it. Because we bring in guests 
all over the country, and we provide lodging for pastors, their wives, and different ones, those in the ministry in some way, to be able to just, where they can get away for a week and come. And so this is one way that we help do that. And so you give tonight, and it'll go help support our Bible conference. Father, we do thank you now for the promises of tomorrow and for all the wonderful things that you have for us. And in light of meeting you face to face, we do want to obey you in these days. And even in our giving, we want to honor you. So bless the offering now. Bless those who give. In Jesus' name, amen. blessing and a privilege it is for us as God's children to be able to bring our petitions before him. The Bible tells us to let us boldly come before his throne to find grace to help in time of need. It also says in the scriptures that we have not because we ask not. Many times we miss things because we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. And the hymn writer wrote, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I just want to remind you of some of the old hymns tonight that we need to take our petitions before our Heavenly Father. I come to the garden
and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever Let's open our Bible to the book of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I love all kinds of music. I really do. And I listen uh, to different styles of gospel music. I won't clarify that right there. Clarify that. And I like all kinds. I like it peppy. I like it slow and whatever. But I've got to be honest with you. Those old songs, they minister to your hearts like none others. And I love to read about hymns, the background of hymns. I read and bought every book I could and got every book I could through the years on songs, the background of the songs and whatever, because a lot of times 
it is the background of the song that will make that song special to you. And, uh, but I think a lot of the new ones today, are just, they're just written to try to uh, win a gold record or something. But years ago, some of those songs were born out of great times of trial and adversity. I was thinking about the song, Joe's singing, and he walks with me and talks with me. The author of that song was dwelling upon the thought of the resurrected Lord. And he was dwelling on the story where Jesus met Mary and they were alone in the garden and they talked with one another. And he said, the thing becomes so real to his heart. And he said, I thought he walks with me just like he did her and what she experienced can be as real in my own life. And he wrote that great song. And so it is true. And I thank the Lord for uh, those old songs there. How many of you remember the day you were saved? How many of you remember the day you were saved? Real quickly, not all of you, but maybe three or four of you, four or five of you, uh, tell me the day you got saved. Now, you don't have to remember the day. The date's not important just as long as you've been saved, but some uh, had the privilege of remembering the day and the date. What day were you saved on, Raymond? February the 13th, 1975. Someone else. Roy, you've been saved? April the 2nd. I knew that one there. Amen. I just want to make sure Roy was still saved. Amen. <laughs> Anyone else? David? January 3rd, 1960. January the 3rd, 1960. Mary? Amen. September 1939. Amen. A couple of others. Yes. 1960. April the 7th, 1970. Did I see a hand back here? May? December the 10th, 1944. Dean? Miss Dendy? August of 57. Arland, I see your hand or somebody back there? June the 28th, 1950. 1950. Anybody else? Carolyn? May the 4th, 1980. May the 4th, 1980. Bob? February 1962. February 1962. Lorraine? May the 9th, 1955. April 1942. Anybody missing? You want to share that? Well, I want to talk to you tonight about the day you got saved. Let's stand our feet and look at this wonderful passage, a familiar story. It's the story of Zacchaeus. And I love the story of Zacchaeus. And in fact, I, whenever I read this story, I think about a story that Spurgeon told one time about uh, his college students. I have visited Spurgeon's college and I asked them in the uh, college if they had any idea where the tree was, and they didn't seem to know anything about it. And, uh, but there was a huge tree at one time when Spurgeon was alive and he had the college, the college there where he trained young preachers and different things. And it was not unusual for Spurgeon to just take the boys out and go under the tree, and he would just call one of them by name, and he would give them a text and say, now stand up and preach a message on that text for me. And he wanted to train them to preach extemporaneously or whatever you call it there. But one day he called on this boy and he said, stand up. He called him a name. The fellow got up and he said, now preach from Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. The fellow got up and he said, Zacchaeus was of little stature and so am I. Zacchaeus was up a tree and so am I. Amen. <laughs> I always think of that when I read the story of Luke 19. Verse 1. The Bible said, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because 
he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with the man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also, as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Look at verse 9. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to his house. I want to think today about the day salvation came to our house. Thank you. you. may be seated. And I want to just point out three things from this story about the day we got saved. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for every date that has been shared tonight. And I thank you for every day that is represented by those who gave these dates. Wonderful days. Days, Lord, in which they demonstrate the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you for that Sunday in 1972, on an Easter Sunday morning, April the 2nd, when you saved me, and that day salvation came to my house. I pray tonight that you'd remind us of what happened the day we got saved, and make it meaningful and fresh to our hearts as a believer. So we'll thank you now for your goodness, for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. As you know on your calendar, there are often what we call red-letter days. And these red-letter days, they mark out special days in the year, holidays and things like that. They're red-letter days, significant days, days that have special meaning. But I think all of you would agree with me tonight that the red-letter day of all days and the day of all days is the day of our conversion. We could mark our calendar with many wonderful events, but that which would have to be the most significant is that day that salvation came to our house. I well remember that day, and by the help and the grace of God, I don't want to ever forget that day, and I don't want to ever get over that day. Like Spurgeon one time said, Oh, our forgiven sin, moment of perfect pardon, our soul shall never forget thee, well, while within her life and being find immortality. And we should never forget, and never forget the day that salvation came to our house. May I say tonight, you should never get over it. Never forget it, but never get over it. And for that reason, you ought to think about it. You ought to think much about the day you got saved. You ought to dwell on it. And take moments that you relive that day and think about what you were before God saved you and then how you met Jesus Christ on that particular day and the day salvation came to your house. Think about it often. And not only think about it, talk about it often. Tell it everywhere you go. Every opportunity you have to talk about it, talk about it. Tell about what Jesus has done. It is the day of our salvation. Well, the story here, this familiar story, finds salvation coming to the home of Zacchaeus. We looked at it a while ago in verse 9. Jesus said, this day is salvation come to this house. You notice the latter part of the text there, verse 10. The Bible said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You have in verse 10 the great mission of our Lord declared. 
And you have the mission of our Lord defined. Jesus Christ came to this earth not just to be a great teacher, although he was. And not just to be a great model, although he was. But Jesus Christ came to this earth that he might seek and save that which was lost. That was his mission. That was the great mission of the Son of God. And you have that declared in verse 10. But in verses 1 through 9, you have it demonstrated. For you have someone being saved, Zacchaeus, and you see Jesus Christ seeking and saving that which is lost. But it was the day that salvation came to his house. Now what happened that day? What was that day like for Zacchaeus? What was that day like for me? What was that day like for you? What happened the day we got saved? Well, let me suggest three things from the text that happened on the day salvation came to our house. First of all, may I say that it was a day of revelation. The day that salvation came to our house was a day of revelation. Verse 1 says that Jesus was passing by. The Bible said, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, the day of our conversion was the day that Jesus Christ passed by. But you notice in verse 2, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, let me just introduce Zacchaeus to you for just a moment. Zacchaeus is called, in verse 2, the chief publican or the chief among the publicans, and he declared that he was a wealthy man. That phrase there, the chief among the publicans, literally described a tax collector in those days. The district in that, that district was under Roman rule. And what Rome would do would, would, would be to appoint someone over a district with the responsibility of collecting the taxes for Rome. Rome would fix the rate of taxation. They would let the chief publican or let the tax collector know what that rate was and he had the responsibility of collecting that rate and sending that money back to Rome. Now, when the Bible speaks about a chief publican, it is talking about someone that is over a district and has the responsibility of seeing to it that all the taxes are gathered and they're sent back to Rome. But in those days, it was not unusual for a tax collector to be very crooked. It was not unusual for a publican to be a very, very crooked man, for the rate, as I said, was set by Rome. And all that Rome cared about was, if it was 10%, all they wanted was, based on the population of that district, was 10% of that population to come back. You got any more? Help yourself. That was your business. All they cared about was theirs and what they had asked for. And what happened was, let's say the rate was 10% by Rome. What many of these tax collectors would do is collect 15%. And they would take 5% and line their pockets. And the result was there were many of them, and most of them, if not all, were crooked individuals, and they were very wealthy because they had robbed from those they had collected taxes. Verse 2 said that Zacchaeus was a rich man in the latter last three words, uh, four words, and he was rich. Now, we don't know if Zacchaeus was like the other tax collectors, but the emphasis upon his being wealthy there may seem to suggest that he was no different from anybody else that he had robbed and what he's supposed to send in 10%. He's getting 12 here, 13 here, 15 here, 20 over here and whatever like that and build up his own personal fortune and wealth. But we find in verse 3 and 4 that he sought to see Jesus who he was. And the Bible tells us that he could not because of the large crowd of people gathered there. He's a little man 
And so he ran before, climbed up into a tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. But he sought to see Jesus and to find out who he was. Now, Zacchaeus, let's assume that he's like every other IRS agent. Let me back up. That's not right. He's like every other tax collector in that day. Can I get an amen there? Might be somebody who works for the Internal Revenue Service. I don't know. But uh, Zacchaeus and whatever. But uh, let's assume that he was. But something had got his attention about Jesus. I remember years ago uh, when I was just a teenager and first started preaching, going to a camp meeting, tent meeting actually, and I remember a man preached on Jesus passing by, the preacher I went to here down near Lenore, North Carolina. And I remember he preached that night and he went all the way through the Bible. And he had over here this blind man. He had over here this crippled man. And he had Zacchaeus going by their houses and telling me he's coming back on Friday to collect taxes from them. And neither one of them, because he's blind, he didn't have any money, he couldn't work, crippled, he couldn't work. And all of them were just poor and whatever. But he said, I'll be back Friday to collect. And he went on and told the story, an imaginary story, and how Zacchaeus came back on the Friday and the blind man was seen. And he came back on Friday and the crippled man was walking. And he went through all these characters in the Bible. And he said, what's going on? And they were telling him about Jesus passing by. And so he demonstrated and illustrated very possibly Zacchaeus had heard about all the things that he'd done. But whatever, Zacchaeus is interested in knowing about Jesus. He sought to see who he was. Now, what did he learn about Jesus that day? Well, let me just suggest two things briefly. First of all, he learned that Jesus was someone who knew everything. Look in verse 5. The Bible said, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, who told Jesus Zacchaeus' name? Nowhere do we read that anybody told him who Zacchaeus was. He knew his name, but not only did he know his name, but he knew where Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was up there in a tree. And Jesus was passing by and he's crowded. The press is around him, CNN, and in all these news, all the crowd had gathered around him there. But Jesus stopped, looked up because he knew where Zacchaeus was and he knew what his name was. In other words, that day Zacchaeus learned that Jesus was someone that knew everything. I want to say something about the day of our conversion. The day we walked down the aisle, I got good news for you. He knew exactly who you were. And he knew exactly where you were. He knew how far in sin you had gone. He knew how bound in sin you were. He knew everything about your life. He knows everything about every one of us. There's not one thing he does not know. He knows everything. But Zacchaeus not only learned that he was someone who knew everything, but he also learned that he was someone who loved everybody. Now, in those days, the Jews dis detested a tax collector. They despised the tax collector. They wouldn't have anything to do with the tax collector. They considered a tax collector to be a traitor. Rome would come in and hire someone. And every, those that had no morals or principles wanted the job because they knew they'd be able to get wealthy. And you become a servant of Rome. You cheated everybody else out to serve Rome. And so they were despised and detested by Jewish people. Nobody admired a tax collector. Nobody wanted anything to do with a tax collector. In fact, you see in verse 7, you get an idea how they felt about Zacchaeus. The Bible said, And when they saw it, Jesus going to the house of Zacchaeus, they all murmured and saying, 
that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. They saw Jesus going with Zacchaeus and they couldn't get over that he was going with that kind of man. Somebody they hated, despised, and detested. But I want to say to you on this particular day, not only did Zacchaeus learn that Jesus was someone that knew everything and knew his name, knew where he was, but he also learned that Jesus was somebody that loved everybody. He was someone that loved everybody because there were many that would have nothing to do with him, but yet Jesus took him home and brought salvation to his house that day. I want to remind you tonight, those that nobody else cares about, Jesus cares about. And those that nobody else loves, Jesus loves. He's a Savior that loves everybody. I think about a few years ago, there was a Society for the Spread of Atheism that issued a little leaflet, and it was to mock God. And in the leaflet there, they mocked God because of his close relations to certain Old Testament characters. Some of those, such as Abraham. And the little leaflet there talked about how Abraham lied and how he was willing, he lied, being willing to sacrifice the honor of his wife to save his own skin. And they said how he lied and, and, put his, and risked his wife's life and whatever like that, but yet he was called the friend of God. They mentioned uh, Jacob, a cheat, a crook, a con artist, but yet he's called in the Bible, called by God, a prince with God. They talked about Moses, and they accused Moses of being a murderer. And they said, yet him being a murderer, yet he was the one that God gave the Ten Commandments, and one of them was, thou shalt not kill. And they said he was a hypocrite, for he did not practice what he preached. And they even talked about David and his adultery, and how he was called a man after God's own heart. And they named several of them, and what God said about them, and their relations with God, and God's relations with them. And at the very end of the leaflet, they asked the question, what kind of God would associate with these people? And I read that, I thought, I know what kind of God would associate those kind of people. A God of grace, a God of love, a God of mercy, a God that doesn't matter what you have done and where you have gone, He loves everybody. Aren't you glad for that? And on that day that He saved us, it was a day of revelation. I learned something that Easter Sunday morning. I learned somebody knew that I was a sinner. I learned that somebody knew I was going to hell, and I learned that somebody loved me in spite of the way I was living. It was a day of revelation, a day that Christ saved us by His grace. But there's a second thing about the day we were saved. Not only was it a day of revelation, it was a day of invitation. Look at verse 5 and 6. When Jesus came to the place, He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must abide in thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. It was a day of revelation for Zacchaeus. It was a day of invitation. He not only learned of someone who knew everything and of someone who loved everybody, but this one that he learned about that day now invites him or gives him an invitation. Notice the story, verse 5. For one thing, Zacchaeus was personally approached. Verse 5 said, And when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was, he knew, where Zac he knew who Zacchaeus was long before he ever got to the tree. He knew which tree he was in. He knew exactly where he was. And he came to Zacchaeus personally and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. There was many around him. He uses the word press there. When I talked about CNN a while ago, that's not what it's talking about. 
and whatever, but he's talking about a huge crowd. There was a multitude around Jesus, but yet the one person Jesus was interested in was Zacchaeus. You see, Jesus was not only interested in the multitude, but he, he not only loves the world, but he loves everyone in that multitude. And he loves everyone in that world. You see, God, Jesus Christ, gave himself on Calvary and he died for every one of us. But I want, to, I want you to understand something. You mean as much to him as anybody else. And on the day you got saved, he saved you. And he came to you because he was personally interested in you. I remember reading a legend a number of years ago. It's a legend about when Jesus was a little boy working for his father in his father's carpenter shop. And he met a Roman lad by the name of Fidus. And they met one day when Fidus, a teenager, came to the little carpenter shop of Joseph. He had heard about Joseph's skill in working with wood. And when the Bible speaks about a carpenter, it's not talking about a builder of houses. It was a mender of broken things, fixing little things for the house and stuff like that. And he heard about Joseph's skill. And the legend goes that Fidus walked in and said, I'm looking for Joseph the carpenter. He said, from him I want to learn the arts of his crafts. And the legend goes that Joseph allowed him to come in day after day after day and he taught him how. And of course, as he worked there in the carpenter's shop, he worked side by side with Jesus himself. And they were talking one day. And Jesus began to tell him, tell him about a king that would come one day and how that he would be raised up on a throne so high that all of the world throughout all the ages would see him. And Fidus said, would I be, would, I, would, would that I might be the one to build the throne of the great king? And the legend says that Jesus looked at him and said, you will be the one to build that throne. Years went by. Fidus went home to practice his trade with honor. And after years and years, he came back to the city of Jerusalem on a particular occasion, had some business. But when he arrived at the city, all that he heard was the cries, crucify him, crucify him. And as he passed the gate of Pilate's, Pilate, Pilate, Pilate's palace, there was a soldier that recognized him and knew of his skills as a carpenter. And he said, Fidus, you are welcome today. Three are to be crucified, but we only have two crosses. We need you to build a third cross. And Fidus was assigned the task of building the needed cross. Later, he followed the mob up the hill to where the crucifixion was going on. And as he was making his way up the hill through the crowd, he heard a voice that he would never forget. And he looked up to the crosses, and there he saw in the middle cross a figure that he would never be able to forget. For there was the boy, now a man, that he'd worked alongside with, the one that told him that one day he would build a throne upon which the king would be lifted, that all the world throughout ages would see. And he realized that day what it was, and he had built that throne. I think of that story as but a legend. But I think of how Jesus died on my cross. He died on our cross. I did not build that cross with my hands, but that cross on Calvary's hill that day was my cross. It was your cross, and he died on my cross, and he died on your cross. Because you see, salvation is a personal matter. Can I get an amen there? But look at something else. Not only do you see how Zacchaeus was personally approached, but you see how Jesus was joyfully accepted. Look in verse 6, chapter 19. 
Jesus said to him, verse 5, come down. Verse 6 said, and he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. I don't know about the day of your salvation. I didn't shout, I didn't run, but I was crying. But I promise you one thing. That day when I opened my heart, I received him joyfully. And it felt like God lifted a ton of guilt off of my old, dirty, sin-sick, hell-bound soul. It was a glorious day. And I received him joyfully. It's an invitation, a day of invitation. I read a story one time from Christian Digest. It's a story someone sent in about their little town and the little railroad station. The railroad station's close to their town. And it seems there was a railroad station near a cemetery called Calvary Cemetery. And so they had a little station called Calvary Cemetery Station. Well, the train didn't stop there on a regular basis. It stopped at the station before because it's where most houses were. It stopped at the station afterwards. But the only way it would stop at Calvary Cemetery Station was by request. And the one that sent in the story was telling about it, how the conductor would come through the train and as he would walk through the train after they left the station just prior to Calvary Cemetery Station, he would walk through the train saying, Anybody for Calvary? Anybody for Calvary Cemetery Station? Anybody for Calvary? And I read that story and I thought about how one day Jesus said, Ken, anybody for Calvary? And like, Jay, like Zacchaeus, I came down. Hastily, I came down and joyfully received him. It was a day of revelation. It was a day of invitation. But the third and the final thing. What happened the day you got saved? It was a day of transformation. The day of your conversion is a day of revelation. You learned something about him. It's a day of invitation. He invited you to come. But look in verse 7 and 8. And when, he, when they saw it, they murmured, saying he was a sinner. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I'll give to the poor. He won the tithe right off the bat. Can I get an amen right there? That's a good evidence a person saved. He wants to tithe. But not only he wants to tithe, he said, If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. He said, I'm even going to give a lot of money for the chest of Joash. That's what he said in Greek there. Say amen. But he's, what happened was his whole life was changed. For one thing, verse 8, he received a new Lord. For notice what he said in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said unto him, Lord, behold, Lord. Zacchaeus, his, God, his gold had been his God. He'd live for his money. He'd live for wealth. But now he's got a new Lord in his life. It's not gold, it's God. He's not living for something. He's now living for someone. His whole life has been changed. He's got a new Lord. But not only does he have a new Lord, but you also see in verse 8 he had a new life for his whole way of thinking changes. He even says, if I have robbed anybody of anything, if I overcharge them, I am going to give them back 400% of what I have stole for them. Would you not say this man is a changed man? But how many of you remember that day when you walked down the aisle, you knelt on your knees, a sinner, on your way to hell, scared to death you were going to hell, and every, should have went to hell, if the truth is known. But you walked down an aisle and you did a simple thing. You said, I'm lost and need to be saved. Somebody took a Bible, showed you what to do, and you cried out to God and asked Jesus to come in your life. And what happened was he moved in, 
and praise be to God, your life was changed, your life was transformed. When you got up, your whole way of thinking was different. Your whole way of looking at things was different. The way you wanted to live, the things you wanted to do, suddenly, in one trip to an altar, your whole life had been transformed. What is it? It's just what happens when a man gets saved by the grace of God. It is a day of transformation. You remember that day? Do you remember that day? Then don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget that day of revelation. Don't ever forget that day of invitation. And don't ever forget that day of transformation. And when your heart gets a little cold, just sit down, open the Word of God, Lean back, close your eyes, and visit the day salvation came to your house. It'll warm your heart. Let's stand our feet, please. Take your prayer sheet. We're going to come in just a moment, but I want you to look at our prayer sheet tonight. I want us to remember Mike and June Bradley, missionaries to England with ABWE. They're over in the Bristol area. That's where, the George, where George Mueller, his homes were for so many years. In fact, uh, Mike and June are not too far from where the Mueller homes are. And Mueller homes are now belong to a college, the Bristol College there. But let's remember Mike and June. That's a very hard country, very hard country. But let's pray that God will bless them. Our Church of the Week is one of our sister churches, Lupton Drive Baptist Church, Brother Randy Bell across the river. We want to remember them in prayer and ask God to bless them. And then Jerry Barnes at East Ridge Hospital, Juanita Warnick at Huntsville Hospital. Special request given to me tonight for Virginia Yarman. This is this week. Margie Rogers. She's a member of the Watts class. And this class has lost so many in the past month or so. And her funeral will be Friday at 2.30, the Chattanooga Funeral Home East Chapel. And they'll be receiving friends from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8 uh, tomorrow. So let's remember uh, Margie Rogers' family be praying for them. I want you to come. Let's gather around the altar. I want you to do three things. Pray for the Bradleys, Mike and June. Pray for Lupton Drive Baptist, Randy Bell. And ask the Lord tonight to help you to appreciate the day salvation came to your house. Don't ever get over it. Don't ever forget that day. Let's all pray now. Father... In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, you tell us to pray and you tell us to intercede for others. Father, this is a praying church. Throughout the day, throughout the days of each week, there are intercessors here praying for others, and you know that, you hear them. And as we gather on Wednesday night, Lord, we try to pray. And we try to pray specifically. Because, Lord, we know that effective prayer is specific prayer. And, fathers, we come tonight, we pray for our missionary of the week. Pray for Mike and June. Thank you for Mike and June. Father, we thank you for putting them where they are. Bless their work there. Thank you for his vision. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless the relationship there with the English people. Bless that area. Once, Lord, Bristol was a place that captivated the world because of one man, his faith in God. What a marvelous story of the work of God there in Bristol. God, would you use Mike and June 
do a work there in a very, very special way. Father, we pray tonight for Lepton Drive Baptist, that you'd bless the work of God there. Brother Randy, thank you for what you're doing there. We thank you for the good reports. I ask you, Lord, to bless that work, prosper that work, do amazing, mighty things. And then, Father, tonight we want to just say thank you for saving us. Thank you for that day when you passed by. Thank you, Lord, for that day when you revealed yourself to us and made yourself known to us. Thank you, Lord, for that day when you showed personal interest to us. You came back to where we were sitting. You came back and dealt with my own heart. You dealt with every one of us individually. Thank you, Lord, for that day when by the grace of God we said yes and came to Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for that day when you changed our lives, the way we live, the way we think, the way we feel. We became new creatures in Christ Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for the day salvation came to our house. May we think about it. May we talk about it. May we constantly think about it. May we constantly talk about it. May we never, never, never get over what you did for us. The day salvation came to our house. Make it real to us. Help us to leave tonight loving it and grateful for what you've done for us. Remember all these things. Bless on the weekend and we'll give you praise and give you honor and give you glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Are you glad for the day salvation came to your house? Amen. I want you to make your way back to your seat. And as you do so, I want us to consider our na ourself now in business. And I'm going to ask Brother Tommy to come because the business, the recommendation the deacon body wants to make to you tonight involves me personally. So I'm going to, ask, I'm going to step aside and let Brother Tommy come. And I think the deacons want to be represented with Brother Tommy tonight. So I will turn. So consider ourselves now in business. I'll turn it over to Brother Tommy. And I'm just real thrilled. If y'all think back the last about uh, four or five Wednesday nights, we've had a good crowd in here. And it's exciting to me personally. And, you know, I know it's exciting to the Lord to see us growing on Wednesday night. And he's really got a real special blessing for every one of us. And he wants to use us all. You know, I, as I think about many things and this, uh, in my life that the Lord's dealt with me in many ways. But, you know, I, I really uh, appreciate and love our pastor, Brother Brian. You know, Rick's not too bad. But I'm not real sure about the, I hadn't really made my mind up about the uh, musicians. I'm not sure what, you know, so you don't tell them, but I really hadn't made up my mind on them yet. But, you know, it's a joy to be in the house of God, isn't it? And to do His will. We got, uh, as many of you know, I believe most of y'all know this, I'm going to put my notes out here just in case I forget something. But uh, for several years, we've... Uh, had a parsonage that our, our pastors lived in and um, we uh, provided a place for them to live but and nowadays most everybody most churches has gives a uh, pastor a, allowance for a parson for a living expenses and they don't have a parsonage in most cases and uh, that's the trend of the day and our pastor several weeks ago he uh, expressed a desire of buying his own house and and we understood that because he's he's uh looking out for his uh, wife's security and everything and we're we we appreciate him thinking of that 
And uh, many months now, this, this didn't happen just because I became chairman or anything, but many months we prayed about it, and the deacons discussed about selling the parsonage and uh, allowing the pastor to buy his own home. And we discussed it and, and decided that we would give him the opportunity of buying the parsonage. And every, uh, we discussed it and, and uh, then came up with a reasonable price to offer it. And I might add also, all these men, everyone I'm voted uh, for, uh, for this recommendation that I'm presenting tonight, and I think we had about six more that's not presently uh, serving as deacons, everyone them voted for it, but we would like to, as a deacon board of Temple Baptist Church, we are recommending that we sell the, pa uh, the pastor, the, the uh, parsonage for $85,000. And uh, that's our recommendation. Everybody in the deacon board is for this. And we'd just like to have any questions that anybody would have. If you have a question, if I can't answer it, well, these guys probably can. But anybody have a question for the motion? Yes, that's, that'll be included. Any other questions? Yes. We had it appraised, yes. Any other questions? Feel free to ask any questions. Okay, do I hear a motion? I hear a second? All right. Okay, now listen to me carefully now. If you're not in favor of us selling the uh, pastor as a parsonage, will you stand? If you're not in favor of it, so I can get a count. Okay, nobody stands. Okay, everyone that's in favor of this, would you please stand to your feet? And that motion carries. It's pretty close to 100%. So we appreciate that. Now, I just want to tell you a true story that somebody related to me today. And uh, it's sort of along, along this line. Everybody just have a seat. It won't take me but a second. Sometimes, that's one thing. Uh, Brother Ken, he's the Tar Heel, so he can tolerate me. But I was discussing, you know, about, we was thinking about with our secretary, and she told me a story. This is a true story. And she said uh, a few years ago, and I believe she uh, belonged to a Methodist church, and she said that the pastor that had been living in a parsonage for many, many years, and he got pretty old, and he became sick. I mean, really sick. And he's on all this kind of medication and everything. And uh, so uh, it got so bad for him that he... Uh, shot himself and killed himself. And here his wife was, and this is a true story, I'm not making it up. And uh, so his wife was here living in a parsonage and not have no place to, to move or anything. You know what that church did? They went out and bought land and built that lady a parsonage, I mean a house, and moved her in. And I said, great, that's a great congregation that they do that for somebody. And I really appreciate every one of y'all voting for Brother... Ken and Sherry be able to to buy their house and and, and if it and like I said one more thing too and then I'm gonna hush brother Ken uh, I might not get up here anymore <laughs> so I got to get it all in. Uh, you know uh, there's a uh, a lot of things you know 
Brother Ken was kidding Sunday night about if you got any complaints. And, uh, about, and then another couple of person, people said something about to me. said, if you got any complaints, uh, you want me to write my, mine down? And I said, well, you can write them down or anything. But, you know, if you really got any complaints, I'll be in the prayer room at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. If you come in, and we can talk to the Lord about it. Now, I'm being serious, really, because, you know, God can speak to your heart. And he can move your heart. And, and, and I'm a complainer. You can ask Pat about that. <laughs> I complain, but I'm trying to improve. You know, we've been in a prayer room. I think this will be the fourth uh, Thursday night. And, you know, when you get to talking to the Lord and thinking about a lot of y'all, we've called many of y'all's name in prayer. And uh, every, uh, I think every Thursday night that we've had, We've had almost, every, we have five people's names on there, and almost every one of them were lost people. I don't know their names. I mean, I don't know their, their, them personally, but we was praying for those people that God would speak to them. And we're, I'm really excited, and we want God's will in every person's life. We're not here for just one person, but we're here for every person. And God can use every one of us. And I, I appreciate him that he's able to use me and use each one of you. Thank you very much, Brother Ken. Thank you. Let's all stand. I appreciate it. Tommy, these deacons said they wanted to get up here with Tommy. That scared me because that's enough to scare anybody. I do appreciate it, and uh, we are in the process of getting alone and, and, and all those kind of things, and, and it has been our prayer for a number of years uh, to own our own home, and I think about it, we go home tonight, I can say I'm really going home, and I appreciate it. Pray for me, I'm not only going home, but I'm leaving home Friday, say amen. I'll be going to England on this weekend. It's going to be a very, very short trip. Me and Brother Tom running over there to on our annual book trip. And we've got just a real short trip. In fact, I'll be back next Wednesday night. But I want you to be praying. My son Terry will be preaching Sunday morning. Brian will be preaching Sunday night. Both of them got wives that big as a melon. And we've got to pray for them. They're due any time. And uh, so we got all of them. I think we've got to back up on both of them. Amen. Because we don't know if either one of them would be here. But I do, I do appreciate your generosity and, and, and helping us in so many things. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight.